Hello, I'm Hal Lublin. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle once and for all. Best Disney Animated Film Soundtrack. That's right. Don't worry, everyone. We got this. Podcasts should have a theme song. Podcasts should not have a theme song. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. They sound good. Yeah, but people are just going to skip past it. Hmm. You know what? You're right. We got this. Please keep your hands inside the Matterhorn at all times. But I'm on Space Mountain. Uh Uh-oh. Why are my hands at the Matterhorn? We keep your hands. Welcome to Disneyland. In 15 minutes, we'll be throwing your hands into a lagoon. We will throw your hands in the air and wave them like we just don't care. Join us. Because we don't. For Fantasmic, where your hands will be shot out of fireworks cannons and over New Orleans Square. Oh, I love it when we talk about Disney. Hi, buddy. How you doing? Good. This is exciting. This is a one that's just the two of us. I've been... Excited for doing one of these for a while. Not that I don't enjoy and love all of our guests. It's exciting to just see you. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Good. It's a Wednesday evening. It's the wind down. This is our last record of the year. And I keep having this thing of like, all right, well, this, as long as once I get through this record, I'm done recording. And I look, I love talking into microphones. Lord knows I do it enough, but also I'm like, oh, it's going to be nice to have a break. But then I realized my last day talking to microphone. Is Sunday because I I am guesting on somebody else's podcast. How dare you, sir? <laughs> I can't help it. It's what Dunk podcast? Down. I love Dunk Down. Dunk All down. right, fine. Dunk down. Listen to well, Dunk Down. This is don't. exciting for us to have our last record of the year. Yeah, uh, that's why I decorated my whole apartment just so that you could see it behind me on the Zoom. The Christmas show begins in five minutes. Your hands are already there in a garbage can. <laughs> Try to find your hands. No checking rings. That's cheating. <laughs> so it, it's perfectly fitting, I think, then for our last show of the year to talk about something that we both are big fans of, and that is the wonderful world of Disney. Specifically, we want to talk this week about the soundtracks to the Disney movies, to the Disney animated movies. Now, we've talked before about the movies themselves, and we've determined which is the best in Walt's lifetime Disney animated film. And we've talked about the songs. We've never specifically talked about the whole song book of different movies. And I think it's worth diving into thinking of these less as like individual singles and think of it as a whole album. And some of these albums are nothing but bangers. Yeah, I think we need to look at the overall strength of the soundtrack because there may be some where one song really, really stands out above all the rest. Like the example I was going to use is like, no, there are a bunch of bangers on that soundtrack, even though I don't think it's the winner. And I'm not even going to mention what it is. Fair. But like, I see what you're saying. Like some of the old ones, especially look at um, Sleeping Beauty. Sleeping Beauty is a classic, but there's only really one classic, classic song in it. And they didn't even write the music for it. It's Tchaikovsky, which is Once Upon a Dream. Yeah, but I don't think we need to mention every single movie here. No, that's why I've already whittled it down to a few that I think are real contenders for this. And there's a really good run right in the middle. If you don't mind, I think it would actually be kind of fun because looking at these, it almost has an arc to it it starts strong there's a gradual crescendo to an epic period of songwriting for these disney movies and then it sort of fades out for a while with some new punctuation popping in 
Does that work for you? Sure. Sure, sure, sure. I was going to take us back to Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Anyway, the reason being that while the songs are really good, it doesn't mm-hmm. have – later on, once we get into the renaissance of the late 80s and early 90s, mm-hmm. we reach a complexity in the songwriting. Yeah. And it's much more Broadway. But there are a ton of songs early on in these soundtracks and and Snow White may be the most notable where – Three of the songs, the three major songs being Hi-Ho, Someday My Prince Will Come, and Whistle While You Work are all songs that are embedded in our yeah. skulls and brains. Yeah. And that, that Snow White in particular has so many of them. And you can even listen to them now considering Snow White's insane high-pitched uh, falsetto soprano voice mm-hmm. in some of these songs like I'm Wishing and Someday My Prince Will Come. But yeah, I mean, these are, who doesn't know? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, yeah, they, these, and a lot of these early ones, Pinocchio, I would argue, is another one of the early ones, but it doesn't, it doesn't benefit from as many, but it's got arguably the best one ever. This one just came two years later. That's 1940s Pinocchio with When You Wish Upon a Star. I mean, that's, I mean, that's the sting that they use for, for their for their vanity card, for the Disney yeah. vanity card. It's, All every it's single awesome. one of these movies has a song from Pinocchio launching us into that movie. Yes. That said, the only other real memorable song I think from Pinocchio is "I've Got No Strings." Yeah, I think that's fair. You know, which is a really fun song, especially the whole production number of it. You've got there's the German verse and the French verse, and like there's all these. Well, the whole, all of Europe attacks Pinocchio in the course of this song. And it's a really fun number, but it doesn't have the volume of classics that Snow White has. As an overall soundtrack, I don't think it has what we need it to have. No. The princesses are well represented in this, I got to say, too. Sure. Because the next one that, you know, we go through the 40s and World War II happens and they got behind on some things. Then a couple of movies come out that have one or two good songs. I'm looking at what came out then that, you know, Saludos Amigos and some of these that weren't entirely animated films. But the next real kicker is Cinderella in 1950. And there's some really there's a, this is another one that has just a ton of classics in it. A Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes, mm-hmm. the work song that the mice sing, Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo, for Pete's sake, gave us the word Menchikabula. And then, So This Is Love. Uh, so This Is Love is kind of like a, a, like a little hero that's, So This Is Love. Mm-hmm. Um, it is very good. I don't think it's as good as Snow White. If we're going by era, let's say. Yeah, if we're, we're breaking this. Let's say, let's say we're going through the 1950s. Yeah, probably one era where you could draw a line. I don't think anything here beats Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Yeah, I I mean, it's tough looking. Cinderella does have great ones. Mm -hmm. Sure it does. But yeah, like Snow White, you got to give Snow White the points for launching the whole thing. Yeah. And hi-ho, you know, they're so simple. There's such a simplicity to them. And they're all every single song from that film. It's still like a a Disney standard. Yeah. And then Lady and the Tramp is great because you have Peggy Lee coming in and singing these songs. And Bella Note is a song I still walk around my home singing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the perfect, you know what it is? It's the Disney that's amore. Mm-hmm. Bella Note is, they were like, Hey, uh, we couldn't get the rights to that's amore. Peggy Lee, can you write a Disney fried version of Disney fried is what it sounded like I said. And I have had some Disney fried food in the parks. We're not talking about that. 
But hey, Peggy Lee, can you write us a version of that some more? And she's like, I'm going to write you one that's even better. It's going to be so good that two dogs are going to eat a noodle to it. That's how good this song is going to be. He's a Tramp is also great, but the Siamese Cat song obviously needs to be retired. I think that would eliminate that soundtrack. Sure. Problematic song. something that problematic. Yeah. La La Lou, another great song in there. Yeah. But yeah, I didn't I didn't realize that Peggy I knew Peggy Lee sang the songs. I didn't realize that Peggy Lee also wrote the songs for this. Peggy Lee's a force of nature. She is you ever I had at work one of the makeup artists was really into late era Peggy Lee. If you ever listen to some late era Peggy Lee, it is gorgeous. It she you know what she sounds like? It sounds like a cigarette is trying to seduce you. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm here for it. I quit smoking, but boy, that cigarette is really seducing me. Sitting over in the corner, singing to me. Yeah. You can hear the plaque on my lungs when I sing to you. Every note is struggling to escape my lungs when I sing to you. Oh, no, Peggy, stop singing. Stop singing, Peggy. Those dogs are eating more noodles. The dogs are eating all our noodles. I foundered three dogs this week singing. They just ate themselves into oblivion. Oh, dogs eating noodles. <laughs> Sorry, am I making you too hot? <laughs> Sorry, Peggy. I, I have to go. I, I just, I need to go stand in a walk-in freezer somewhere. Why? Where are you going, big boy? <laughs> All right. Let's move on now. From the early era. So up through the 1950s. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, yeah, it's pretty clear. I would argue that Cinderella is a close second in that era, but Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, you got to hand it to him for Someday My Prince Will Come, Whistle While You Work, Hi Ho. Mm-hmm. Even that song they sing about scrubbing their faces, which has a crazy name. Like the song is called like, like it's ridiculous. <laughs> There's only one real contender in the 1960s, and that is the winner of our best Walt Disney animated film made during Walt's lifetime. Of course, I'm talking about The Jungle Book. Is this the only time the Sherman Brothers worked on animated, like like really dug into an animated project? Because most of their stuff was in live action. Yeah. Bang, bang. Mary Poppins uh, was live action. All that stuff. Exactly. And then they did songs for The Parent Trap. Let's Mm -hmm. Get Together was one of theirs. Yeah. They were on the live action side of things. Yeah. And the parks. They did the, I mean, obviously they're best known for the park songs. Yeah. Yeah. Then we have one in the 70s. And that's Roger Miller did the music, but I, I put the, I kept this one on the list because there's not a lot of huge songs in Robin Hood, yeah. but it's such a cool, weird sound for a movie. You completely cut the Aristocats out of this. The Aristocats is terrible. <laughs> the Aristocats feels like it was a money grab after 101 Dalmatians and 101 Dalmatians had one amazing song in it, which is Cruella de Vil. But yeah, the, the no, you have everybody, what do you have in the Aristocats? You have everybody wants to be a cat. Yeah. You've got Thomas O'Malley cat. Yeah. That's pretty much it. You don't want to do that Fox and Hound song? There's a dead canine by the <laughs> side of the road. Fox and Hound oh, does have that I... one. They do have that one great uh, best of friends. Yeah. Okay. There's not a lot of these that are where the songs. There's a couple where the songs are like music playing over a montage with a omniscient narrator singing. Yeah. It happens later on in one notable one that I think is a well. That's a really Robin good Hood. Yeah, yeah, Robin Hood's the same way. It's Roger, but he's on screen. He's the yeah, he's the, the rooster. The rooster. Yeah, I just think that's really fun. It's 
It's Roger Miller who writes amazing music. He wrote Big River and he wrote yeah. King of the Road. Mm-hmm. So, like, let's get this guy that talks like this to tell the story of Robin Hood, shall we? You sure you don't need me for this? <laughs> Peggy, Peggy, I got this. Yeah. Peggy, you were here in the 50s. Peggy, have you been sitting here since the 50s? I'm almost done with this cigarette. It's 99% ash. Um. All right. So that's everything leading up to the big guns. Yes. So that is the crescendo I was talking about before, leading us to the Disney Renaissance. With a couple of exceptions, Alan Menken just spent the next 30 years crushing Disney movies. So do you want to go through just the Menken the Menken verse? And I know we we dipped back into it with Tangled. We came back for Tangled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's do everything up through We'll do we'll do everything up through ninety seven and then take a break. How's that sound? Yeah, I'll tell you what though. I think Oh, you you mean to like pull one to the finals? No, 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 no. From, I mean like from you, that I mean, whole because the Mencken verse covers that time period, but also puts Tangled into the mix. But we can leave Tangled out because that's that's a return. That's like a looks more of a one off. Yeah. And it is the Ashman and Mencken verse. That's true. I, I, Ken is shorts, pointing out that yeah. Mencken and Zippel, like there were a lot of different uh, he had he had other collaborators after Ashman passed away, unfortunately. But I don't think anything. I don't think any pairing was better than Ashman and Mencken for this. No, 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 no. I mean, I, oh, it's tough. Their three movies together are my three finalists. As much as I let, and I feel like we have to give lip service to the Lion King, but the song that came out of that that was played mm-hmm. on the radio all the time is the song that least belongs in that soundtrack can you feel the love tonight which is can you feel the love yeah. tonight and i get where it fits into the narrative but it's such a departure from every other piece of music in that movie which is essentially you know these these are all broadway musicals we're now yeah. moved into the era where they're all broadway musicals yeah. And for those who don't know, um, just to point out the timeline here, 89, the Little Mermaid came out and then it was just a run of them up through Mulan in 1998. So almost a 10 year period of Alan Menken doing the music with the exception of the Lion King in the middle where Elton John and Tim Rice did it. Yeah. And there is an Elton John song in the middle of the movie and it's a fine Elton John song. I have nothing mm-hmm. against the song, but to me, it breaks the reality of the film in a way for me. It breaks the really? reality of the film because it's so different to me than the other tracks on that soundtrack it does sound really like it does have a very mid 90s elton john sound yeah which is i mean it makes sense it's elton john in the mid 90s writing it right and there's a music there's certainly an instrument quality Mm -hmm. to the songs in there that you also that like there's an instrument uh instrumentality i don't think that's a word but instrumentation it now no there's a there's a quality to the instruments that are used in can you feel the love tonight and circle of life where it feels like there's crossover there mm-hmm. however it just feels like a human song in the middle of an animal film <laughs> and that to me wow that takes that, you out of it that much that would take me out of it. i also think that the three films before it each had a better soundtrack yeah i do want to point out though the i think that the instrumentation i loved in the lion king sure. because it's the you know because it's the serengeti in africa I we get all those drums and you get i forgot who did the score for it we're looking mostly we're looking at the songs from each of these movies specifically yeah. but the the drums in it and the yeah. um yeah it's all the the drums in the beginning of just can't wait to be king are some of the best like kickoff of a song ever but i think you're right i don't hans zimmer thank you ken uh hans zimmer did the score for it i don't think that it beats the ashman and menken the three films that came before that 
which I would argue are, yeah, I think you're right, are our three biggest contenders. Before we dig into those, mm-hmm. I just want to say that I feel like people who will argue for like a Pocahontas or Hunchback of Notre Dame or Hercules or Mulan. Please, Notre Dame, Hal. It's not a football team. Notre Dame. Uh, of Notre Dame. There you go. Uh, back. I feel like their argument would be more for an a, either one song or two songs rather than hmm. the whole thing. Like, oh, I love Go the Distance. And Hercules has a lot of great stuff with the muses. Yeah. The muses, the, the gospel music that Zippel and Mencken did for that, like stylistically having the Greek muses be a gospel trio and having them sing incredible gospel music. Is super fun. Mulan has one great song and mm-hmm. some mostly forgettable ones other what than Reflection. One great song is Reflection. I think the one great song is Reflection. Because I like I'll Make a Man Out of You. I think that has a really good, uh, that's a good song. Yeah. It's a good, it's a better, it's kind of like sneaky good. But I think yeah. overall, there's just no way it compares even to the Lion King. Like if it can't beat the Lion King, mm-hmm. there's no way it's touching the other ones. I will say though, as we are, before we jump back to, I love that we're just kind of dancing around our big three. Well, we, you know what? We can save them for the end. Might as well. Oh. So we'll keep going on this route that we're going now. Hunchback to me, I think is absolute perfect musical theater, Disney movie writing. Every song on that tells the story in such a beautiful way, starting with Bells of Notre Dame, which is a walk through the entire exposition of the song, leading to Clopin's crazy high note at the end. You've got the two main characters I want songs are both beautiful, which is out there for the hunchback for Quasimodo and God Help the Outcasts for Esmeralda. Both of those songs, when I first saw the movie, one of them gave me chills and one of them made me cry. It also has I think the best villain song uh, or one of maybe I think it's got, no, it's got the most villainous villain song. It doesn't have the best villain song. It has the most disturbing villain song. Okay. The feast of fools, the court of miracles. I think it is Broadway songwriting at its best done by Broadway veterans. I mean, it's well off Broadway with Alan Menken at the time and Steven Schwartz who wrote wicked, who wrote Pippin and Godspell like, this is, I think that is, for me, it personally is my number three on the list. Okay. But I understand that it's not, it's more, it's almost more Broadway than Disney. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm trying to separate the movie from the soundtrack, but it's really hard. I don't really, that's not really, I never really locked in the Hunchback in Notre Dame. Yeah. Like that run of Pocahontas, Notre Dame, Hercules, I loved Mulan, and then Tarzan. Yeah. Like that run of movies, I just, I felt like I was... Just aged out of it. And, you know, I was old enough. I was 14 when Beauty and the Beast came out and I loved it. Yeah. Cause there's yeah. something about it. Uh, I don't know. Some of them are timeless. Some of them are very, I, I feel like some of them you had to be the right age to watch them when they came out. Sure. And then, then they brought you in and that's perfectly fine and great that those exist. Yeah. I just happened to be what a year younger than you but also disney movie wise i mean and music wise i was still in kids unlimited when i was 15 so sure i was (laughs) you were were in the craft i was the the i was the target audience for anastasia and i think it was a high school senior when that came out and they got meg ryan they got meg ryan and hank azaria as bartok the bat i mean christopher lloyd as rasputin it's in inspired it's delicious delicious that age Oh, okay. So, so that run right there, Pocahontas, Hunchback, Hercules, Mulan, 
uh, that is the end. Actually, the Hercules is the end of the Mencken era. And then uh, Zippel did. He's the crossover between Hercules and Mulan. That's 1998. That feels like the end of an era. 1998 feels like the end of that era. And then, bam, 1999 hits. This is the one I was talking about earlier, where it isn't so much the characters that sing the songs as the songs were actually written not specifically to be slotted into the film, but just as general impressions by Phil Collins for Tarzan. Didn't work for me. It didn't work for you? No. Cause it you know, it's funny. Like the problem I had with the Lion King soundtrack mm-hmm. times every song on the, like, all, like all the songs. Like, that it was oh, all human songs. Oh, you, you liked, everybody loved Circle of Love. Everybody loved, not Circle of Light. Can you feel the love tonight? Here's a whole soundtrack of Phil Collins doing it. <laughs> and that, that to me didn't work. Yeah. No, I can see that. It, there has to be a Disney element to it for me, mm-hmm. like a, like a really strong Disney element. And I don't feel like a lot of those songs are going to make it out unless you are going to Tarzan's treehouse. That's mm-hmm. the only place you'll hear them, but that's not something that would be, I, I don't know. It just doesn't feel iconically Disney to me. Like you know, some it's of funny songs do to me. It does feel iconically Disney, but it took. 20 years for it to happen because in the moment in watching the movie, I agree with you in that moment. It was because I had been used to a decade of Disney musicals like Broadway musicals where the characters themselves sang. And this became, you know, Phil Collins singing over the top. They did it later in uh, brave as well with a couple of really cool Celtic songs in that. But uh, yeah, I would agree that it had that sense of sort of pulling me out of it almost like they had made a soundtrack after the fact. Yeah. That said, the song You'll Be In My Heart has grown to be one of the Disney classics to me from seeing it a million times in parades and fireworks displays. Mm -hmm. They actually love to use that. It's a really good song. And that song has become more iconically part of the Disney canon well after the movie and dissociated from the movie, I think. And I think that's why it's not. That's why that soundtrack can't win. Yeah. If that soundtrack can't win because it sounds like a modern artist just playing their thing over the top of a movie, Lilo and Stitch probably isn't going to win because even though the Ho'omalu songs, Hawaiian Roller Coaster Ride and Hemele no Lilo, both of which I highly encourage if you don't know them to reach out and listen for Hawaiian Roller Coaster Ride is the one that begins with the Yeah, oh, it's just a Fun Hawaiian tune, but most of that soundtrack is just Elvis recordings, which I don't yeah. disagree with, but no, like the, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with how a soundtrack is put together, but for it to be the best, it's, there's just going to be a high standard because it's Disney. Yeah. I actually want to take a break here. Great. And then after the break, we got four princesses in a row with some killer soundtracks. And then we're going to finally talk about the big guns in the room. That's right. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Annabelle Gurwich. And I'm Laura House. And we're the hosts of Tiny Victories. My tiny victory is that I sewed that button back on the day after it broke. We talk about that little thing that you did that's a big deal to you, but nobody else cares. Did you get that Guggenheim Genius Award? We don't want to hear from you. We want little bitty tiny victories. My tiny victory is a tattoo that I added onto this past weekend. Let's talk about it. My victory is that I'm one year cancer free, but my tiny victory is that I took all of the cushions off the couch, pounded them out, put them back, and it looks so great. So if you're like us and you want to celebrate the tiny achievements of ordinary people, listen to Tiny Victories. It's on every Monday on Maximum Fun. 
Are you feeling elevated levels of anxiety? Do you quake uncontrollably, even thinking about watching cable news? Do you have disturbing nightmares, only to realize it's two in the afternoon and you're up? If you've experienced one or more of these symptoms, you may have FNO, news overload. Fortunately, there's treatment. Hi, I'm Dave Holmes, host of Troubled Waters. Troubled Waters helps fight FNO. That's because Troubled Waters stimulates your joy zone. On Troubled Waters, two comedians will battle one another for pop culture supremacy. So join me, Dave Holmes, for two, two, two doses of Troubled Waters a month. The cure for your news overload. Available on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, we're back. All right. I stopped there specifically because I think the next soundtrack Mm -hmm. on this list chronologically is, I don't know if it's a winner. But, man, would it be a great underdog contender? Oh, yeah. And that is Randy Newman's soundtrack for The Princess and the Frog, which is it all is bangers. All it's bangers. Musical style. He's from New Orleans. He's writing about New Orleans. Yeah. They got Dr. John to sing the opening number. And then for the rest of the movie. I mean, I also am partial to this movie because it was the last flat animation movie that they did. So it felt like a throwback to the Disney Renaissance movies. Yes. But you've got almost there. Incredible song. Uh, and it was Anika Noni Rose that was singing these, who is a brilliant, brilliant singer. Dig a little deeper. Uh, when you have who, who played the grizzled old Bayou voodoo lady? Uh, I don't remember. Oh man, but her voice is so cool. And this one also has a great villain song with Facilier and his friends on the other side. Friends on the other side. Oh, the side. They could have gotten Peggy Leeded. Yeah, right. To do that. Jennifer Lewis. Thank you. Jennifer Lewis. Was the voice of Mama Odie? What was it, dear? You want me to take it again? I got friends on Wait, the other uh, side. Peggy, are you affecting yeah. a New Orleans yeah. accent? Yeah, yeah. Beale Street, Bellier's <laughs> other side. <laughs> I'm almost done this cigarette. It was ninety nine percent ash twenty minutes ago. What's happening? I started working the other one percent into a hundred percent, and now that's down to ten percent. <laughs> Yeah, this uh the music in this, I mean the whole the music, if you're going to make a movie about New Orleans, the music has to be amazing and Randy Newman delivered. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he did. All right, then we have the triumphant return in 2010 of Alan Menken. Mhm. In Tangled. Great. It's I don't think it's a contender with the other ones, but it has some really fun songs. It's got a little more pop sort of guitar sound to it than the other ones did. You've got mm-hmm. I See the Light, When Will My Life Begin? The villain song is Mother Knows Best, sung by Donna Murphy, who's awesome, old Broadway diva who's great. And I've got a dream, which is Brad Garrett and a bunch of grumpy villains singing about their other passions in life. And it is a wonderful tune. <laughs> I do love I See the Light. I think it's really, really good. It's really pretty. And it's not a hard song to play on the guitar which i like exactly if you can play it yeah that's that makes it yeah fun. But it's I, easy to, it's an easy like song to play and it's a it's a simple tune it's very pretty all right here all right let's i think i have a controversial take on the okay. next film which is frozen by maybe the greatest modern songwriting duo that exists mm-hmm. and that is that there are a couple of songs on this soundtrack that are phenomenal that being Let It Go, mm-hmm. Love is an Open Door is fantastic. I mean, all the songs are very good. Do you want to build I, a snowman? Great. Yeah. Do you want to build a snow? I think there are like three songs that are so memorable 
that mm-hmm. you don't realize that maybe you don't remember as much the other songs. And I don't know if that's good or bad or just a function of how popular it was. I mean, it, yeah. it is a great soundtrack. And Let it's It so Go good. was everywhere. Yeah. I can just mention Fixer Upper. I do like Fixer Upper. It's a cute song. It's the trolls rolling around singing Fixer Upper. <laughs> so he's a bit of a Fixer Upper. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's I think you're right. I think Let It Go is the 800 pound gorilla in the room of this movie who may have pulled some of the other ones along with it. But I think I mean, the Lopez's are the best thing going right now. I think we can talk about Frozen 2 right now, too, yes. uh, which has Into the Unknown, which, is, also which is a brilliant song. And then the Jonathan Groff song. The, yes, his, lost uh, in the woods has lost in the woods. So good. Where the movie oh. in the movie, it looks like a 1980s music video. Yes. If uh, I also encourage you to watch the two things that come out of this, watch the movies Ashman, which is a documentary about Howard Ashman and watch the making of Frozen 2, because it really digs into the songwriting a lot. And the Lopez is talking about how they wanted all the chord progressions in Lost in the Woods to sound like old 80s, like Peter Cetera or Survivor, like all those power ballad 80s songs. And it shows off how well Groff sings. Yeah. Shows off his voice. But before Frozen 2, in the interim there, we had Moana with Lin-Manuel Miranda and uh, a couple of other writers. Big song from that being How Far I'll Go. Yeah. Uh, and The Rock singing You're Welcome. And great. Jermaine Clement singing Shiny. It is. Yeah. It's like, yeah, these are more of those ones where there's like three great songs. Yeah. How Far I'll Go is. It's perfect. Uh, it's a perfect it song. Outstanding. It is an yeah. outstanding song. That is like a very like, if you're going to have a film with a Disney princess in it, she must have a signature song that yeah. blows you out of the water. And this one does. It establishes the character really well. But we're not talking about individual songs. We're talking about overall a soundtrack. Yeah. And I think there are better soundtracks out there. There are. But I do want to point out that in this one, while the songs might not be as memorable, um, like we know the way. Not a lot of people, you know, that's not the first song that jumps to your head. But the songs are uniform in this one. That, you know what I mean? They all fit the, they all, that Polynesian vibe that they create. No I think Moana problem. thematically, it doesn't have anything like a, can you feel the love tonight that takes you out of it? They are all glued together in that movie. And even the song when she sees the heart of Tafiti at the end and she's walking toward the island singing, I am Moana. It's not really much of a song. It's like four lyrics, but it all weaves together. I think beautifully in this. It's a, it is a musical yeah. triumph. As is Coco, which was the Does next that count. What? It is a Pixar movie. Does not count. Oh, Coco. To, oh, oh, okay. It's, and Soul. Both see, Pixar movies. Coco and Soul. This is I'm I'm. None of the Pixar movies are really like musicals anyway. Cannot allow them in here because it's unfair. Number one, I would pick Coco over any soundtrack on this list. Really? I think it is so good. It's such a great exploration and. A way to introduce people yeah. to a culture they may not be familiar with or only know maybe anecdotally. Mm-hmm. It's so good. It's so emotional. It takes you up and down, but it's not a Disney animated film. It's Pixar. No. It's a separate studio within Disney. That would be like saying the best soundtrack is Thor Ragnarok. Interesting. I guess I, I guess I don't differentiate in my mind between the Pixar Disney movies or the, because they're animated. Like I def- definitely differentiate between Star Wars and Marvel and. Disney animated films, you, but they, you know, yeah. the difference. If I show you sure. with, with some exceptions, like Wreck-It Ralph is a lot closer to a Pixar movie than, a, than yeah. what we would consider traditional Disney animated. And that's more Pixar's influence on Disney 
that than yeah. anything else. But Pixar is a right. animal unto itself, and I think we have to pull. We have to pull Soul as well, which won Soul the Oscar great. for its music. It was great. I mean, a lot of these won Oscars for their music, but yeah. yeah. Batiste's version of It's All Right is amazing and the jazz pieces that he wrote. The fact that it was Nine Inch Nails that wrote all the heaven music is amazing. Yeah, it's so good. I'm removing them from the list. I'm all deleting right. them from your show. Wow, you are I'm like tempted. so adamant. Uh, but I did want to say one more thing about Coco. My only downside with Coco, it is a love letter to the music. Like literally the plot of that movie is music will save the world. Correct. And connect us. So, and connects us. And so many of those songs, though, I think are too short for me. You know what I mean? Uh, Some of the songs are a, a lot of the songs in Coco. There's so much music throughout. There's uh, Remember Me. And then there's a lot of songs that are like 45 seconds long. You know, well, La Arona is longer. Yeah. But here's the great thing. Billy Joel used to say this a lot when he would do is when he started to go like stop doing concerts and start doing more like lecture tours. Mm-hmm. So he would say a well-written song can be played in any style. And he would take songs that he wrote that he thought were well-written and play them like in a classical style or a honky-tonk style. You hear so many different versions of Remember Me yeah. in this, from a solo oh, yeah. guitar to the overproduced. There are so many different versions of that song in there. That's a hallmark of a great song. Ken is, he's constantly, you know during this one, he's not going to stop. I know. His keyboard is smoking. I know. It's fun. Message. He's mentioning Oliver and Company. Uh, yeah, Oliver and Company is not on this list, and there's a good reason for that. There's a good song in Oliver and Company, and it's, <laughs> it's really Why cool Should I Worry? And that's pretty much it. Yes. Yeah. All right. So do we want to take any of these movies? You want to take Frozen? Because it would be weird not to take Frozen because as an overall, it is a powerhouse of a soundtrack. The more you like explore it, you go, oh, that's right. There are even yeah. songs that are. Yeah. We started. You were at the beginning. You were like, Frozen only has Let It Go. But and I was like, oh, love is it was in the door. shadow of all the other ones. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I mean, I like I like. Have, so right now, before we get to the big three. And the big three of the Ashman and Mencken, uh, no, there's no, no question that they're the big three. And there's also no surprise that they are the big three. And that is, of course, do we have anything that can contend against these? The Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, and Aladdin. I want to pick from the three of these and then just see how we're feeling because we only have five others. But I, I think it'll be, mm-hmm. I do think Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs is kind of overlooked because it's not, and it's not by Ashman and Mencken, but. Yeah. Like pick a song on it that we don't sing all the time that isn't part of the culture. You mean? Yeah, that's the song. That's the only song I really remember from it. But I do want to say, though, from before I said my personal number three was The Hunchback. And surprisingly enough, even though I did the show for I did the show as the genie on stage, uh, I think that the soundtrack to Hunchback edges out Aladdin for me personally. Really? It might all yeah, they're all so good on Aladdin. The, every Aladdin. song in Aladdin is brilliant. I just happen to like the arc of Hunchback of Notre Dame musically, the way that it fully tells that story. But let's talk about Aladdin. Aladdin is, I mean, yeah, I, I'm I'm too close to this one. You know what I mean? I sang "Friend Like Me" on stage for four years. Yeah, it's he wrote. Great. Yeah, it's great. And I think One Jump Ahead is such a good song. Like, it's so infectious mm-hmm. and so great. That whole sequence is brilliant. And I love it. And as great as the soundtrack is, I think it's the weakest of the three. Yeah. Which is only because the other two are nearly flawless. Yeah. I think one of them is absolutely flawless. I think one of them is nearly flawless. You know what it is? I feel like the other two 
have huge company songs mm-hmm. that Aladdin doesn't have unless you count the very end of Prince Ali and also Friend Like Me, which is like, it's like a company song, but Robin Williams is the entire company. Right. Yeah. You, there's not a lot of named characters that sing in the big, yeah, like Prince Ali is a big number, but there's not a lot of named characters singing it. And also, as Ken points out, Tim Rice was the co-writer on One Jump. So Tim Rice was oh, well. also all, he had his hands all over the, the Aladdin yeah. soundtrack as well. I like Tim Rice's lyrics. They're generally very clever. Yeah. Do you agree with me that of the, of these three, that it might be, I mean, that it might not hold up to the other two. Like it's 99.9% versus 99.8% versus 100%. Would you say that that's fair? Yeah. And I think there are reasons that Aladdin does not measure up as high as the, I mean, again, this is these, all of these are great. These are the top three of a list of greats. So we're, you know, again, that said, I think that Aladdin, it lacks a good villain song. You just get Jafar singing the reprise of Prince Ali. Yeah. He doesn't actually get his own really killer villain song. True. I think that, yeah, it, like you said, it, it, it lacks, it lacks a, there's, yeah, I think it lacks the company doing more. Well, and also a whole new world is real close to can you feel the love tonight in terms of don't you dare saying. a whole new world no, no, is perfect in, ter- in, in terms of being out of the musical flow of everything else even yeah. the not i'm not talking about the, the jennifer warner and uh what's his name version of it but i think it's there's something in it and it's the, it may be just the pr- a production issue mm-hmm. where it just feels very 1992 yeah and it's a great song. I love the song. It's I'm not against it. I'm yeah. not talking bad about it. I'm saying why we're splitting hairs here. And I think this is the hair mm. that needs to be split on this. All one. right. Well, Aladdin, I've listened to your music a very, very, a very long time and very many times. And I'll see you again soon, I'm sure. But for now, it's time. The big battle. The Little Mermaid versus Beauty and the Beast. Ashman and Mencken's masterpieces. Do you have one that you lean toward? 100%. Me too. But let's talk about The Little Mermaid first. Oh, wow. That's quite an assumption. I thought you were going to say, let's talk about Beauty and the Beast first. <laughs> oh, was I wrong? Yes. You were wrong about what I assumed. You are not wrong about what you assumed. Yeah, so you think you lean more toward The Little Mermaid than Beauty and the Beast. Yes. Why? Because there's something to... I just think The Little Mermaid is absolutely flawless. Yeah. And I think... There's like a speck of dust on the Beauty and the Beast soundtrack, and I can't even quite place what's what the speck it is. of dust. I can't even think of what it is. I like I can't. It's 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 almost gut at this point. And if they're both great, if they're within point zero one percent of one another, mm-hmm. then how do you determine which is better? Here's how I think we determine. Okay, I think that we can do that because I go back and forth between these. Sure, I think we, I think we can look at the parallels that they have. Mm-hmm. And I think we can look at the parallels. I think that we can break this down into the things that they have in common and we can almost pit them one-on-one against each other. Okay. Make okay. sense? Yeah. Okay. Cause we're, we're now, this is going to be the winner of this is going to be the winner. The winner of this is going to be the winner. All the other ones we mentioned are not going to be the winners. These are two perfect soundtracks. Okay, I agree. Here and, and it's interesting. Starting off, we've got a, a sort of interesting dilemma because I think that musicals often have an opening number that sets the stage for the whole thing, uh-huh. 
And then they have a main character I want song, right? Well, in the case of Beauty and the Beast, there is an epic opening number, mm-hmm. but there's not a standalone protagonist I want song. It's all rolled into that big opening number. In The Little Mermaid, they have the best I want song of all time in a Disney movie, but there is, but Fathoms Below is not a, it's a negligible opening number, I think. Sure. And you know what I mean? Daughters of Triton also like they have, Yeah, the Daughters know. of Triton song. You know what I mean? Cuz you've got Bell, which is the epic opening number, and I think Bell is a perfect song. It yeah. sets up every character, who they are, what they want. It sets up the whole every character in the village, but then you've got to pit that against part of your world, which is arguably the best I want song that Disney ever did. Yeah. You know? Yep. So maybe we come back to that, maybe that is the final battle. Could Let's be. look at the villain songs then. There's just no Gaston is a great song. It just doesn't hold a candle to Port. Does not hold a candle. And a lot of that is Pat Carroll, but yeah, it's also, but Poor Unfortunate Souls is perfect. I mean, so come wild. on, it's Poor Unfortunate Souls. Who doesn't want to perform that at karaoke? Yeah, <laughs> it's a great karaoke song. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's a great Maurice Crisis number. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan. So I think the edge definitely goes to the Little Mermaid in that. I think that the Falling in Love song. So you've got the falling in love song. You've got kiss the girl versus beauty and the beast. And something there is also a falling in love song. Yes. I would say something there is the falling in love song. And then like, it's like an alley-oop. So something there is throwing (laughs) it up and then beauty and the beast and beauty and the beast dunks it. Yeah. Yeah. It really, because they are rapid fire in, in the movie too. Yeah. So I think beauty and the beast gets the edge there as much as I love kiss the girl. Yeah, Kiss the Girl's beautiful, but I think Beauty and the Beast is also, it's Angela Lansbury, it's the blue coat and the yellow ball gown and the swirling shot. Now we got to look at, let's look at the showstopper number. Be Our Guest versus Under the Sea. I know, it's so hard. I think I like Under the Sea more. See, I think I like Be Our Guest more. Because I'd rather sing Under the Sea is why. I feel like it's a little catchier. Be Our Guest is great. It's probably a better... Because it's it's the next company number, right? Because you have sort of a company number in Bell, and mm-hmm. then you have your next company number in this. This is like the masquerade of yeah. Of Basically, soundtrack. it's it's all the dancers getting to strut their stuff. It's the dancers in the ensembles number. Yeah, it's do you want to see the dancing silverware and plates and spoons and the big the grand finale of that's amazing where the champagne pops and becomes like the fireworks in the dining room or do you want to see the underwater dancers all the fish and sea creatures doing their big dance number with that great you know spoken word part at the end all the fun rhymes and they're both sort of a version of like i think you're gonna love it here yeah (laughs) got that feeling of either like here is why the sea is so much better than everywhere else or here is why this dining room is so much better than everywhere else we're going to treat you so well in this house where you're a prisoner yeah well, they have the same job. Enchant you into the prison. It's like, True. hey, she's in a watery prison. She's in her watery prison. She's enchanted by her watery prison. So and then, uh, you know, Lumiere enchants her in her castle prison. <sighs> what about I think Beauty and the Beast gets an extra climax song that the Little Mermaid doesn't have because the late movie song in the Little Mermaid is Le Poisson, which is hilarious and brilliant. And Rene Aubergine is fantastic in it. And it's before Kiss the Girl, I think. Is it before? Yeah. it's Oh, yeah. It's before Kiss the Girl. So you don't have a big denouement. Yeah. The big climactic song in Beauty and the Beast, where the villain goes from being just Gaston 
to being the whole village that Gaston has riled up is that mob song. The dun 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 and just the beat of the driving nature of that song pushes you through to the finale in a way that the Little Mermaid doesn't have. But the Little Mermaid has the best villain song of all time and the best I want song of all time. I think as a whole, the soundtrack for Beauty and the Beast is more cohesive, complete, and a better driving thing. But does that beat the best I want and the best villain song being in the same movie? Yeah, I think it does. I think we have to look at the overall composition of the soundtrack. I think you made an excellent argument for Beauty and the Beast. And, you know, you can't, you kind of can't go wrong with either one, right? Yeah, they're both perfect. Two great options there. And I think you've made a compelling argument and I'm, I'm not going to sit and be obstinate for the sake of being obstinate. There's no point in that. Where is my Hal? (laughs) It's a new, new end of the year, new me. Ooh, we haven't even made our New Year's resolutions yet. Mm, I'm not getting into that. Uh, <laughs> I think you have a fantastic argument there, and that is that is our winner. People of wow. the world, the best soundtrack for a Disney animated film of all time. As of this moment, there are more to come. I hope millions more to come. Encanto just came out recently. I haven't seen it, but I hear the music's amazing in Encanto. Exactly. But until we see that, until we come back to do this again, and we're known to revisit topics and update them over time, Beauty and the Beast, it's flawless composition, it's wonderful numbers, it's, it's Ashman and Mencken at the height of their powers. That is your best Disney animated film soundtrack, Asked and Answered. Wow, that was fun. I was excited about this one. That was, yeah. That was really I like fun. getting nerdy about these. Me too. And it's nice to talk to you, buddy. Likewise, this topic is closed, but there are many more topics to discuss. So please reach out to us on Twitter or you can email us. So we got this podcast at gmail.com or talk about the Disney soundtracks that you love. What didn't we mention that would be your top choice? Let us know at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash. We got this podcast. Thank you to producer Ken Plume, researcher Kate McManus, graphic designer Uri Kelman and QA engineer Jen Alba. And thanks, of course, to our musicians, Jonathan Dinerstein and Mike Furman for our score and theme song, respectively. And thanks to you, the people of the world, for getting all of these songs stuck in our heads. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For Hal Lublin, I'm Mark Gagliardi. For Mark Gagliardi, I'm Hal Lublin. And don't worry, everybody. We got this. We got this. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.